The following podcast is a Dear Media production. What's up, well-beings? I'm Kelly Noonan-Gorris, and this is The Heal Podcast. Every Thursday, I interview the leading experts in health and healing, as well as real people with extraordinary healing stories. Whether you want to heal a physical diagnosis, a mental health issue, a past trauma, or heal our planet, The Heal Podcast is for you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answers you've been searching for. You can follow us on Instagram at at HealDocumentary and at Kelly Gores and catch episode clips on Heal Documentary's YouTube channel. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday anywhere podcasts are found. Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. Welcome back to Meaningful Living Podcast. I'm Jess here with my co-host Haley. And today we're talking to Jenny Moness, otherwise known as Mo Mommies on Instagram. Jenny's a mom, early childhood educator, Rye specialist, parenting coach, and co-founder of Union Square Play. She sits down with us to cover some very big topics that happen every day, whether we realize it or not. Comparison, jealousy, and lying. We asked Jenny for specific examples about how to notice when these things are happening, what to do and say, and how we can help our kids get out of the pattern of comparing by asking questions. We look at our own mindsets around constantly wanting to fix things for our kids and why we should rethink the little white lies we tell if we expect our kids to keep it honest. We promise you will relate to, love, and learn so much from this episode. This conversation made us rethink how we can stop jealousy and comparison in its tracks as opposed to keeping up with it. Spoiler, it's a work in progress for all of us. And while listening, if you enjoy, we'd love if you would share this episode with your friends or leave a review. It's the word of mouth from all of you that help others find the show and this community. It takes a village and we're so grateful for you. Stick around to the end of today's episode because Jenny shares the parenting and real life advice we all need to hear on repeat over and over again. Now let's hear from Jenny. Hey, Jenny. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Since we started following you, we just can't get enough of your content. You have this ability to just share such valuable parenting information, but it's so approachable and actionable. And you know, in this day and age on Instagram, I feel like it can be really helpful, but there's so many judgmental pieces to it. And sometimes you leave feeling more judged and it being more overwhelming than it should be. So you do the opposite. So thank you for what you're doing and thank you for your content. So I'm glad to hear that. Yes. The last thing I want to do, and I think you're right that often I even think about, am I sounding preachy or judgmental in this delivery of what I want to share to help? Or should I also add in my honesty about how I struggle with the same exact thing? And I often say that a lot of what I share is inspired by my own challenge with these topics and my own self-reflections on how I could have adjusted and done things better. So I think that helps in terms of my delivery, you know, that it all comes from like an honest, real place of this is hard, but I think this is stuff that we should all think about. So so beautifully said. I feel like we definitely struggle a little bit with that too. Like we never want to come across with the wrong intention and and it's always well-intended and we just want to help overall. And so in that 
really, really comes through with how you share your information. So we appreciate that. And I know a lot of other people too, but we saw a couple of Instagram stories the other day on jealousy and lying. And we really want to go to that. But before we do, I know you're an early childhood guru that specializes in RIE. Can you just briefly explain what that is real quick and how you ended up doing what you're doing? Yes, absolutely. And yes, lying and jealousy are very juicy topics because I think they're kind of charged. Oh, this sounds really overwhelming to even think about in early childhood. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about that with you guys and hope that it's helpful for anyone listening. But yes, RIE, but people who know a lot about it, we just say RIE. Not that you don't know a lot about it, but you know what I mean. Totally. It's an acronym, so it's absolutely RIE, and it stands for Resources for Infant Educators. If you, anyone listening, hears the term RIE when it comes to early childhood, for infants and toddlers, that's the same thing. And I learned about RIE when I was in charge of creating an infant toddler program in 2015, 2016, after having years of working with infants and toddlers, the idea of being able to create one from sort of scratch, it was a new one. I realized and reflected on some of the things that I felt I had done that were already in existence at the locations that I had become part of, but it really didn't translate into something that I felt was really age appropriate or even so respectful of these innate learners that young babies already are. We were kind of like skipping over what they were naturally curious about, which is, oh, the light on the wall, the shadow, the noise over there, and really relationship building, how you build a relationship with young infants and toddlers. And so resources for infant educators is exactly what it is. It's a resource for people who are caring for and in turn educating infants and toddlers. And yeah, it's really inspired so much of my work and comes down to respecting infants and toddlers as real people from the day they're born, which we often think is obvious, but realize is not when we kind of like peel back how we treat infants and toddlers from the moment they're handled when they're born. You know, we move quickly and handle them that way and we can all just kind of slow down. And so, yeah, that's what Rye is in a nutshell. I love the word educares because it just tells you, you know, it's you're caring and you're meeting them where they're at, but you're also educating through that. And it's that, you know, it's that relationship building. That's amazing. So thank you. Thank you for the work you do. It's amazing. Let's take a break to talk about one of our favorite snacks and sponsor of today's podcast, Brahmi. Brahmi has been the snack of choice for so long in both of our homes, and we cannot be more obsessed with this company. I'm always asked, what are easy and healthy packaged snacks for my family? And these are it. Whether we're having a snack at home or on the go, packing lunches, need a taste tester while cooking in the kitchen, or just want to add some more beans to our meals, we use Brahmi. Okay, so what is Brahmi? I like to explain it as the Italian version of edamame. They're lupini beans, which are a Mediterranean super snack packed with plant protein and fiber. They're one of the most nutrient-dense plants with 50% more protein than chickpeas and two times the fiber of edamame. They're the perfect snack for you and your kids because they help keep you full and meet your nutrient needs at the same time. We buy Brahmi lupini beans in bulk for snacks. The packaging is perfect for a nutritious and delicious snack on the go. And we're always on the go, even if it's just within our homes right now. Thank you. 
They're made in Italy and not baked, fried, or dried. They're simply pickled in small batches. They're made from the best ingredients and 100% dietitian approved. I could literally talk about Brahmi all day, love the product and love the company. They've got a money back guarantee and free shipping, which is amazing. And Brahmi has a special offer for our listeners. For 30% off your first Brahmi purchase, go to brahmisnacks.com and enter code LIVING30. That's 30% off your first Brahmi purchase by going to brahmisnacks.com and enter code LIVING30. Trust us, these will be your next favorite snack. So let's hop into the jealousy topic. So this Instagram story you posted the other day was just fantastic. So it was all on jealousy between siblings and kids and how to handle it. And it was one of those moments when Haley and I were like, oh my goodness, we deal with this all the time, but we don't necessarily think of it as labeled as jealousy, but that's exactly what it is. So let's talk about that. When do kids start comparing themselves to others and what should we do when it comes up? Yes. So if you kind of look at science and truly comparing articles and researchers have said that it's really around three, but that's in the quintessential sense of, I want what she has in a more kind of obvious way. Like your child comes from home from school and is like, she has this and I want that. Or you kind of see your child focusing on another child and not focusing on themselves. But I think it develops way earlier than that in other shapes and forms you know, even sharing, you know, children are, are born and developed very focused on themselves. And so I think when you look at people saying that it starts at three years old, it's more thinking about that children aren't really looking at other people yet in that way. But I absolutely think that between siblings and between peers that it develops earlier than that in in something like he has the ball and I want that ball. I already think that's a comparison of, I don't have that. And I want that. And that's why often when we make it about the objects, rather than just saying what the child feels, we're kind of exacerbating and, and giving into that pattern of, of comparing. So for instance, just going back to that example, if you see your child looking at something another child has, if it's a toy, and we say, I'll get you a ball, or here's another ball, instead of you see he has that ball, and just leaving it at that. There's such a difference there. When we just say he has that ball, we're not saying, but you don't. We're just saying what is. When we automatically think he has that ball, you want that, I'll get you one. We're automatically telling this child that what someone else has, you should also have. And we we don't realize that when it comes to something as simple as a ball. And so that's why I say like, yeah, it starts at three when you're thinking about like, I want her dress or I want her backpack, but it happens way earlier than that. And these other like sort of more nuanced ways. That's so interesting. It's such like a coming back to narrating, right? We talk about narrating all the time, but just reflecting what you're seeing and not projecting something, but also then not fixing it for our child in that moment. It's it's just walking them through it. Yeah. Mm, That's such a good example and probably something I do all the time. And sometimes stuff like that comes out of my mouth. And I actually think about it and I'm like, wow, that's so crazy that that was just the narrative that feels so normal. Even though if you think about it, it's really not in like a a human sense. And so it's so fun to kind of go back to the basics and relearn this stuff as an adult and be like, all right, how can I change my ways, but also teach my kids this? Because we're definitely in the stages of going through this. I have a 
almost one-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-year-old. And they're constantly like one will have a ball or there's this purple fuzzy blanket that is actually my daughter's. But if my son has it, even if it's like she has the whole playroom and she sees him have it, she's like, I have to have my purple fuzzy blanket that she hasn't wanted in two years. So it's food for our our one-year-old sees the two older ones. Sometimes they get like something else that he doesn't. And I'm like, oh, for sure. He won't notice that. Like he notices. (laughs) That's it. One. It's just so crazy. Yeah. And I mean, I could talk for hours about that, this, because it's also what's fair isn't always equal and that whole narrative too. But even thinking about our own parenting, right? You know, my mom, who I have the best relationship with, who is an incredible mother and still is, Often, if I were like, she has this dress I really want, my mom would be like, we'll get you that dress. And so I grew up kind of with that, you know, not always. It wasn't just easy. I'll get you whatever they have. But until when, right? That's what the question we really have to think about. She got into the college that I want to get into. Mom, you can't do anything there, right? And so the ball in that example, really, of course, there's no harm in getting the ball for the baby. It's more about training our whole mindset and our responses with our children, right? And thinking about till when, you know, I I kind of said in preparation for this, it's about sort of like stopping comparison and jealousy in its tracks rather than trying to keep up with it as a parent. Yeah. How do we respond to that when even my daughter yesterday saw a dress that I had on and she was like, oh, mom, I want that dress too. Can you get me one of those too, please? Like I think because the example that you just gave of your, of your mom, I'm sure I say that all the time to her, and so she yeah. expects me to say, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll I'll get you one of those." I, I don't get her dress every time she asks for it, but <laughs> there's been many times that that that's happened, and so she just thinks it's normal that I'm going to get her the same thing that I have, which I'm like, "This is cute now, but not in right. five, ten, fifteen years." And it's also us checking in with the feeling that it brings up for us. I'm sure when she says that saying anything else makes you maybe feel a way like, oh, but I don't want her to have the feeling that she can't have that if she desires it in myself or someone else. And what that brings up for us, I'm sure there's some people where that doesn't bring up so much for them, but then there's people like me and maybe you, I don't know, but just based off this conversation where it's like, I didn't like that feeling at all. And my mom often fixed it for me. And so I, I also have to kind of really kind of reparent myself in that way and think Tess can handle that. I have to believe she can, you know? So it might, I might say something like, you really like this dress that mommy's wearing. You know, I don't have this dress for you, but let's look at what you do have. You know, maybe then we can go and play dress up in her room. So there's ways you could do it age appropriately that doesn't feel like a disappointment, but rather a learning experience and really focusing on, being grateful for what we have without forcing it. Not like, oh, how dare you ask for this? Let's go look at all the things you have. But in, as they're younger, a more playful way, you love mommy's dress. It's red. Should we see what you have in your closet that's red? And then trying on the red, you know, and and making it less about the material of it, but more about it's an experience, right? Like this is so much fun. We're building a relationship through this. Mm-hmm. That's such a good way to approach it. It's like, it's such a slight change, but that has a huge impact. 
Okay, let's talk about our new favorite activewear line, Girlfriend Collective. We've been seeing Girlfriend Collective all around. And once we heard about their mission, we knew we had to reach out to them to be a sponsor. The one thing we can all agree upon is that one of the gifts, especially for us moms, that this past year and a half has brought is that it's now socially acceptable to wear activewear whenever and wherever. So because of that, we've been on the hunt for activewear that helps us feel confident. Because if you're like us, when we put on a cute activewear set, we just feel like we can do it all. So Girlfriend Collective is sustainable, ethically made activewear for everyone. We love everything about this company and their mission. They make cute and comfortable bras, leggings, shorts, tees, swimsuits, and more. And their sizing is inclusive, ranging from extra, extra small to 6XL because they know health and wellness comes in many shapes and sizes and that representation really matters. We're obsessed with their leggings. They're squat proof. They come with pockets, which is essential for us girls on the go and are beyond comfortable and cute. They have different levels of support, whether you want compression or comfort, and they come in the cutest colors from basics to brights. They use ethical manufacturing, recycled material, and never put their bottom line before what's best for the planet, which we love. Plus, they have a garment take-back program. It's called Re-Girlfriend. So once you're done loving your pieces, which will be a long time from now, of course, you can send them back to be upcycled into new girlfriend gear. Join the collective today and feel good about what you buy and comfortable in what you wear. For listeners of the show, Girlfriend Collective is offering first-time customers $25 off purchases of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash full. That's $25 off first-time purchases of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash full. Now let's get back to our conversation. I want to go back to something that you just said, I feel like was so profound where you said instead of, it was something about instead of getting rid of jealousy, stopping it in its tracks, like instead of fixing it, it makes me start to think of, you know, I have a son that's, that's three. So live her daughter and my son are about the same age and they're getting to the part where they're going to school and maybe camp and starting to be in kind of more formal situations where kids might get, you know, the kid of the week award or whatever type of thing that comes up. And so, you know, the best listener. So how do we respond when our kid comes home and says, you know, so-and-so got an award and I didn't, or even if we're at a birthday party, right? Like there might be different party favors and someone else got a different one. How do we respond to our kids in those situations? This is where I think when you look up research and science, when they say it starts at three, because as you can see, it's in like more obvious ways. And what's good about it happening then is that you can really have more conversations rather than solving. You know, when you're, they're younger, you kind of need to not solve, but there needs to be sort of like an end. Whereas when they're three, it can just sort of open up a conversation, right? I can't tell you and what I'm going to say that it ends like perfectly tied up in a bow and there's closure to that experience. However, it can start giving your child the practice of like this internal dialogue that they can have, what it brings up for them. So the other day, my daughter did something wrong and she's like, she was crying and she was like, I wasn't the best rather than I hit and it hurt someone else or something. She was just thinking about how it didn't make her feel the best. And so in that example or the example of, you know, today, Lucy got best listener. It's not like, oh, but you'll get best listener. Oh, but you are the best. It's more, how did that feel for you? Why don't you feel like the best for Tess? Or how did it feel when Lucy got best listener? Did you get best listener? You didn't. 
did someone else get best listener? And then like talking about how it's not just our child that didn't get best listener. What other awards have people gotten? And then talking about how Roger last week got line leader or whatever it is. And it sort of helps your child ask these questions to get them through those like internal struggles rather than I have to run to mommy to do this. Of course, right now that's what they do, but we're sort of helping them practice what they can begin to ask themselves and talk through instead of the immediate, she got best listener, I need to run home and my mommy needs to help me feel what it feels like to be best listener. It's she got best listener. Yesterday, Roger got this. Maybe tomorrow I'll get that. And she got this. And they start to like have these wider picture conversations with themselves. I love that. I mean, we can't run away from that even in in any part of our life, right? Like these are going to be the feelings that come up jealousy comes up, people get things that you don't get. And it doesn't mean that you're any less worthy, but I love that you talked about this subject because I think teaching our kids this from a young age is actually the way that they can be able to handle these emotions forever. It's it's a life skill that they'll have maybe when they're three, but it's going to serve them when they're 33. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and a lot of focusing on how it makes them feel rather than just the focus on fixing it and what everyone else got. Like it, it, we, you can talk about your child. She got that award. How did that feel for you? It didn't feel good. Why didn't it feel good? Cause I didn't get it. You didn't get it today. Do you think there's another day you might get it? Did everyone get it? Like, it's not necessarily like this will fix those feelings, but again, it's just kind of widening their perspective on it rather than just, she has what I don't have. It's not as simple as that. Right. And it's not us bulldozing in to say, let me fix it or let me contact the teacher and find out when you're going to get best listener or, (laughs) right, like stepping in and and fixing it all. Absolutely, yeah. And on that same token, it does feel like it just in society in general, we're kind of moving away from, quote, winners and, quote, losers in PE or whatever it is in in class. And then what does that, teach our kids? And does that make them unprepared for the real world? And how do we address competition with our kids? Oh, yeah, for sure. This is a big one. I actually remember not being competitive. And then, you know, when I was young, and then one of my best friends being super competitive and how that rubbed off on me. And actually, like, I was a very, like, in quotes, good kid, but would get like a C in sportsmanship. And I remember this like struggle about it. And so I think competition can be healthy, but it can also be like, we're talking about now this sort of, you know, way of keeping up, you know, with, you know, it can be, it can be motivated by the wrong things or motivated by healthy things, you know, and, and I won't get into like the scientific terms and differences between that, but there's comparison when it helps you do good, right? Like you see someone give to a homeless person and you compare, I didn't do that. And you know what? I should do more of that. That's like healthy and good and it motivates you to be better. But then there was the unhealthy comparison. Like I was talking about where I would see like my best friend just not be able to lose. And I'm like, I should do that too. And and whatever. So I think there's healthy and not healthy. The unhealthy can develop when we're using it as a way to change our child's behavior. And this can get into actually a really good um, smooth way into the lying, which I'll, I'll relate that to next. But, you know, for instance, if one child's eating 
nicely at the table and the sibling is not saying, look at your sister, how nicely she's sitting. Why aren't you sitting like her? That's unhealthy comparison. We think that that's probably helping them motivate to become good at eating and sitting well, but actually it's not because our children can't decipher the difference between good and not good comparison. That happens later on again, like three and older. And so when we're training our children in this like unhealthy competition, that's when it becomes murky, right? You know, we want to kind of instead praise our children for the good and not in a way like, again, using that example with siblings where I'm just going to focus on now and say, you're eating so nicely now. Like our children see through that too, (laughs) but sort of really, (laughs) and we all do that. Right. Um, (laughs) Really talking to our kids authentically, you know, Tess, you're having a hard time sitting right now. I wonder what's going on for you. And, and kind of talking with her about that and not necessarily praising Nell in that moment, right? That's like really sort of manipulative on our part to do that. Tess, you're having a hard time. Nell, you're doing so well, but really being more authentic, working through that with the child who's struggling and then maybe at a different time praising the child who, who isn't struggling or doing that when you're just one-on-one with that child. They don't always need to be praised. So don't use it as a tool to manipulate. That will kind of fuel the unhealthy comparison that we were talking about. Yeah. Okay, let's pause a minute to talk about Bev. You've heard us talk about them before. Bev has been our new wine of choice this summer, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor. Bev makes great tasting wine that comes in the cutest single-use cans that are better for you and more refreshing. And what's so amazing is that the single-use cans mean I don't need to open an entire bottle and inevitably waste wine or drink more than I want to because there's so many nights I just want one glass of wine at the end of the day. They have six kinds. They have Rosé, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir, and Glitz and Glam. And I'm loving the sparkling Rosé right now. It's perfect. It's crisp, dry, a little fizzy, and so refreshing. And my favorite part is the ingredients are amazing and it's sugar-free, so I wake up the next day feeling great. The company is female-founded and female-run, which I love. So even the cans are cute. Each is filled with a glass and a half of wine, which again is the perfect amount for me, and they're shipped right to your door. We all need some mom juice while we stay up way too late after our kids go down, binging on a show, or just soaking up the silence. We've worked out a special deal for our listeners. Receive 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on all orders. I suggest trying their best-selling Ladies' Night Variety Pack so you can check out all their delicious varietals. Go to drinkbev.com slash living or use code living at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V.com slash living. Bev can also be found at retailers nationwide, including Target, Total Wine, BevMo, and more. Try it. You'll love it. Let's also talk about today's sponsor, Encantos. When it comes to young kids learning, we're huge fans of story teaching. Whenever we tell our kids a story about us in our childhood, they're so engaged and it just sticks. There's a reason we remember stories we've read and heard about as kids. So that's why we're so excited about the brand new app, Encantos. It's full of fun, amazing stories that teach kids the new fundamentals they need to flourish like thinking creatively and critically, solving problems, understanding diversity, and expressing themselves clearly. We all know that when learning is fun, kids enjoy it and retain so much more information. 
I've been looking for activities outside of school for Liv and even for Luca and love that Encantos teaches them skills I'd love for them to learn, but don't always know how to teach, such as mindfulness and social emotional awareness. It's all done in such a fun format that they love. It combines amazing stories with education to inspire a lifelong love of learning for kids zero to eight. And they have stories in both English and in Spanish, which is awesome because it's an easy way for them to pick up a new language at a young age. They were just named one of the world's most innovative companies in education by Fast Company, and it's so clear why. Your kids will love Encantos, and we want them to enjoy stories to learn from by Encantos. And right now, we have a special offer. Get three additional months free when you sign up for an annual subscription. Just go to EncantosWorld.com and use code LIVING when you subscribe. Don't wait. That's EncantosWorld.com and use code LIVING. Now let's get back to Jenny. Something that strikes me about you that is just so fantastic is I, everything that you approach, like when we're talking about jealousy or kind of anything that you're talking about, it's really approaching our kids with curiosity. Like what is actually going on? Why or what? As opposed to like the actual end point. Right. You, and so I think with jealousy, it just makes me think if I could just just ask Bryce what's going on with him or in a situation where he's not sitting, you know, what's going on as opposed to addressing you're not sitting, just asking that question, being more curious. I think it helps us as parents to connect with our kids so much more. Yeah. And then we don't think of using a tool like I need to praise this one and, and make there be this competition in order to solve for what's going on, right? We don't even think to do that as a tool because we're like, she's struggling with something. If someone's struggling, we're not going to make them feel worse by praising the one who's not struggling, but it's, it's our shift that needs to take place first. Totally. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about lying. (laughs) (laughs) So I was going to say with, with the lying, I think we often, again, will use, and I do it too, you know, tools of twisting the truth in order to get our children to behave a certain way. And there's, there's times where we like have to think quickly. My child catches me eating the Starburst that I just told them that they can't have. Oh, it's medicine. And then we hope they didn't see that it was actually the Starburst I didn't give them. I'm not really talking about that, which again, we know for obvious reasons isn't great because then our child will do it and we'll be like, oh no, they're lying. But doing things like that are, are more cutting corners for us. So we're at Target. I want that toy. That toy's not for sale. You know, that's not helping our child, (laughs) you know, kind of deal with that struggle of, I want that. I can't just have what I want. You know, instead, you really want a toy today. And it is so hard. We're in the middle of all of these toys. That's how I feel when we're in the candy aisle. I want all of the candy. And of course, I can't have all the candy. So then working on what you could do, and you can make this fun. Let's sing a song to help us calm down because we can't have any toys or candy today. And there's going to be other times we can't have any toys or candy. And what can we tell ourselves? I want candy today, but I, and whatever, making up a song about how we can't have it isn't necessarily avoiding the whole struggle, but just, again, teaching our children that we can work through those times of really wanting things and not being able to have instant gratification, you know? Think about when our kids eventually grow up to, you know, want to date someone, you know, it's, it's about like learning to deal with those, all of that. And it's all related to like the same circuitry. And then there's also 
lying in our kids and thinking about when our kids lie, what are they scared of that they're, well, first, when they lie, they sometimes don't understand that that's a lie. And so talking about how it's important to be honest. And when you say something that actually isn't true, that's not a good thing because then we're not being honest and being honest is how we build in our relationship and depending on their age. But what we really need to think about when our children lie is what are they scared of, right? It could be something as simple as they're lying about already having a cookie because they want another one. And I told them they could only get one. Or it could be something as she lied about having a cookie because the last time she did that, I was really angry. You know, thinking about what it was that was behind the lie. So if it's about being able to get another one, I'll say to Tess, I think you told mommy you didn't have one because you really wanted another one. And we talked about how you can only have one. Lying isn't going to help you get a cookie now. And it's important that you always tell mommy the truth. If you wanted two cookies, we can talk about when you can get those two cookies, how you could have one now and you could have one later and kind of just having conversations about it. And if it's the latter, oh, she did that because of how I reacted. It helps us reflect on that and say that I think you did that because the other time mommy caught you, she got really angry and maybe that scared you. And so really helping our children connect why they lied rather than just don't lie. You know, we need to replace with the tools and in order to replace with more appropriate tools, we need to get to the bottom of why why they lied. So there's the why do our children lie and then how we should really think about what example we're setting when we lie. (laughs) I love the example that you said about Target about us lying. I think there was another one that you said that just stuck with me. It was something about like brushing your teeth and it's like, you have to brush your teeth. If you don't brush your teeth, you know, like the tooth police is going to come. Right. And so we say all these little lies, like either trying to rush through, like we're just frustrated. We want our kid to brush our teeth. So they're brush their teeth. So what could we say? But you're right that they pick up on those lies then. And it's like, why not just be honest? I think you, you flipped it around saying, you have, we have to brush our teeth because if we don't brush our teeth, we can get cavities and, yeah. and oh, that's yeah. uncomfortable, right? Like something right. where we cut corners all the time with little lies, but it is kind of teaching our kids the opposite of what we intend. Totally. Every morning, and I realized it this morning because I knew I was doing this today, my younger daughter, Nell, finishes her milk and she can't handle the feeling of when she finishes. And so we're me and my husband are often rushing and still so she'll cry that her milk's over and I'll be like, I'll get you more. And then I'm, I just never do. And like how not right that is. And she, of course she forgets. But then tomorrow when she cries and she gets her milk and asks for it and I say, I'll get it for you. She's not going to trust that I will. There's going to be a time where eventually she's like, you're full of BS, mom. Don't get me more, more milk. <laughs> so I need just to give a real moment of like, no, I definitely do those like quick lies too. Like I have to, I, she can't cry. Like I'm doing a hundred things, but just thinking about like, the longer term really helps motivate you to stop. Yeah. And like, sometimes we have to do it. It's not about never doing it, but I just, now when I'm doing it, I'm catching myself a little more being like, okay, is this a time that I actually have to do it because it's just survival mode or am I just doing this, you know, out of habit or or something I heard? Right. I'm definitely more aware of it now, especially after these little Instagram things that you've posted. And I also want you on speed dial um, like Jess is, so I can just be like, all right, what do I do? What do I say in this moment? I know. It's well, hard I'm in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but, and it's, it's also, I think we realize how hard the alternative is to kind of work through, but the more we avoid working through that, the harder we're making it for our kids, right? Like Nell needs to work mm-hmm. through like the hardship of finishing the milk, right? And 
Right. I totally. That too. Yeah. It actually makes me think of a podcast that just came out. We were talking about like when our kids refuse a meal and so often, right, they might take a couple bites and they're done or they might sit down at the meal and start crying that they don't want the food that's there. And instead of fixing it, instead of going to make something else, it's, oh, you wanted, you know, pizza. Pizza will be on the menu tomorrow. You can have as much or as little of this item as you want. It's not fixing it, right? It's allowing our kids to have the emotion. It's not that that's going to fix it and your kid is just uh, every time going to be like, okay, I'm just going to have this. They still might have big emotions, but it's just being there for them to to be consistent in that nature. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I am no food specialist at all, but us being okay with the fact that if they eat only one bite of that, that that's okay. If they're really hungry, they'll, you know, eat more of it and that we need to be okay with that, you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. Something also just hit me. I think it was last night or the night before, but Olivia, our three-year-old was having a little meltdown over something. And I thought about lying to her. And then I was like, no, I'm sticking to my boundary. <laughs> I'm doing this. I'm going to, you know, do the textbook like I should. And it was so hard not to like take the easy route out. And it wasn't this like instant fix. She was like upset for like two more minutes. But after the second minute, it was like, okay. Like and it, she, she had, she processed it. And so it was a reminder to me like, okay, these tools are working. I have to accept the fact that it's not going to be like instant that second. And I just like, I need time to process things. Like our kids need time to process those things. And so I I will forever remember that because I just need to give them a little space. Just like I need it too, to process. I love that you shared that because I think that's the key to know that, no, this doesn't mean that you're going to start putting all this to practice and our children are automatically going to accept. Like that's great that that happened, but for some, it might take longer, but just us having faith that our children can accept and work through and working towards that if it's not right away, but yeah, giving that opportunity. Yeah. And I feel like the best gift we can give them is that when they're worked up and they're fully dysregulated and they're in a tantrum, the more that we can just be calm to show them that we're there for them to support them during those moments, I think is the best gift we could really give our kids. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on that note, something that we love to ask our guests is what is the best parenting advice you've ever been given or something that you figured out that you would want to share? This might not have been just parenting advice, but it was from my mom. And it's I'd say it's advice, but very much for parenting too. She often, and I have trouble making decisions, would say, go with your gut. And I never understood the magnitude of the power of that until I was a mom. So it was advice she gave me, not mother related, but I think as I see you guys nodding your heads, going with your gut is the best thing that you could do when you're a mom. So when you're like, I want you on speed dial, anyone listening to this, like, I mean, I'm basically on speed dial through DM as much as I can be, but it's more about going with your gut between you and your child, right? Like what you feel in like your gut is the right thing to do or say in those moments. And often we don't do those things but thinking back for next time, like what feels right in this moment, I can't decide that for you and you can't decide that for one another. We all have different kids. We're all different. And so I just think even in terms of like advocating for our kids and stuff, it's just so true. You have to just go with your gut and there's something about your gut or in your heart when you have kids that is just more powerful than any advice you can read, right? 
Amen. So where can people find you? Because I could just talk to you all day. I'm sure our listeners want to. Where can they find you? I'm so happy I did this with you guys. But you can find me at Mo Mommies or at Union Square Play. Union Square Play is our play space, our physical play space in New York City, hopefully in many more places soon. I won't divulge too much. And an online platform and community. And At Mo Mommies is my personal motherhood resource journey in the meantime. Amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you both so, so much. much. This was yeah. a pleasure. And anytime you want me back on, I'm there. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please follow the show, rate, and don't hesitate to write a little review. We also have a voicemail box you can call to ask us any questions, tell us the topics you'd like covered, or just share where you're struggling and how you could use some extra support. Call 833-444-FULL or 833-444-3855. We want to hear from you. And tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. And don't forget with two L's. Can't wait to see you next week.